Well, good morning, church family. It is so good to be with you today. Now, I know you were expecting our favorite encourager and our brilliant pastor to be with us this morning, and he wanted to be here. But unfortunately, he and his family were exposed to COVID this week, and so he has been self-quarantining. Now, I have good news, though. He took another COVID test. This is the second one, and he was again negative. So we are grateful and praising the Lord for that. Now, I know everyone was looking forward to the message that he was preparing about what is happening in Washington, D.C. And he still wants to give that message. And he will hopefully be able to do that very soon. So I know it is going to be worth the wait. Now, there is a lot going on in Washington, D.C. right now, isn't there? I mean, we have President Trump facing impeachment, and we have a new president that is about to take office. And so this Wednesday, January 20th, we will be having a new president take oath to take office, President-elect Joe Biden. Now, whether you voted for him or not, we are called to be a people of prayer. Scripture tells us in 1 Timothy 2, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So I thought that it was fitting that we just begin today by actually doing what scripture calls us to do and praying for our leaders. So I'm going to pray this morning for President-elect Joe Biden, and I invite you, church, to join me in a word of prayer. Jesus, we come before you today as your people, and we are so grateful for the the grace of Jesus that brings us together together. We thank you that by your spirit, you are able to unite us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the family of God. And so today, Lord, wherever we sit, all across living rooms and kitchens and homes, we want to join together and we want to humble ourselves before you and invite you, God, to go before us. We want to lift up to you our soon-to-be new president of our nation, President-elect, Joe Biden, and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. As President-elect Biden takes office this week, we ask that you would go before him, Lord. Would you bless him? Would you lead him? Would you equip him as the next president of our country? Jesus, we ask that you would give him wisdom. We ask that you would give him discernment. And we ask that you would give him a heart for you. We ask Jesus that you would be at work to heal our land, to bring unity and peace in these divided times. Oh, Jesus, we ask that you would help each of us to reflect you. Help us to reflect you well this week with all that is happening. Help each of us to work to bring peace and to live out the love of Jesus. We ask this in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus and all God's people prayed and said, amen. Well, there are many emotions going on out there. It's really a tough time to be a human being, isn't it? Uh, Man alive. We want to acknowledge 
just all the stress that's out there, all the emotions that are out there. Last week, Pastor Eric did such a great job. He just knocked it out of the park talking about stress and anxiety. That was one of the questions that so many of you wrote in and asked us about. And so today we want to address another question that so many of you wrote in and addressed and asked us to address in a biblical way. And that, my friends, is the emotion that so many people are feeling, the emotion of anger. How do I tame my temper? Well, there's a whole lot of angry people out there, aren't there? I mean, gosh, I feel angry sometimes, don't you? I mean, I've been angry about things people have said. I've been angry about things people have done. I've been angry about things people have posted. I've been angry about things that I've seen happening. I've been angry about many different things. And It's such a disease, I feel like, that has impacted our world and society. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? Because managing our anger on just an average day in an average year that is not pandemic is hard enough as it is, right? I mean, just all the regular ways that we get angry or frustrated with life in our own households or in our work environments, in our marriages, with our neighbors, all of those different things. Sometimes they flare up our tempers, But now with everything that's happening in the news and the political scene and with this virus, doesn't it feel like to you that we have just intensified all the emotions that we normally feel on a regular basis? Oh man, it feels like that to me. I mean, if your body has started to feel that tension as you have had some more anger happen in your life. You know what that feels like, right? Like your tensed body and you've got clenched teeth and you intensify your, your words and intensify your, your body language. And maybe you've said some more unkind words and your tone gets altered to sound more frustrated and angry with people. Maybe you've seen yourself breathing a little bit more heavily or your face has begun to contort a bit. Your eyes are squinting and you're making strange expressions because of all the anger that your body and your face is causing. Maybe some of your anger has caused you to be a little restless or maybe jumpy or impatient or you just find yourself withdrawing. That's that's how your anger manifests itself in your life. Maybe your anger is just making you a little bit easier to provoke. And so it doesn't take much to set you off. I mean, have you found yourself feeling all of these things? Hmm, Maybe just a bit more strongly than you normally do. You know, I was thinking about a time when I felt anger just really intensified in my own life. And, and I remember it was a time back when I was in high school and I had a best friend that I'd had lifetime for a best friend. And she started dating my boyfriend behind my back. And I found out, oh man, it just was so brutal for me. I had been dating him for two and a half years. I was completely in love, thought he might just be the man I was going to marry. And then when my best friend did this to me, I felt so, so hurt, so betrayed. Now I was really angry at him for doing this to me, but I was livid. I was enraged 
at her, my friend, because girlfriends weren't supposed to treat each other like that. And I had all of this anger, this rage inside of me, and I didn't know what to do with it. I mean, it just kind of blinded me and took hold of my life. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I spiraled into a depression. It was awful. I just did not feel like myself. I was not thinking like myself. I just told my parents I was ready to move away. I just wanted to like start over and get away from the situation. I didn't know how to deal with it until a very good friend and someone who's a mentor to me was very intentional about continually coming and picking me up, dusting me off, looking me eye to eye, and reminding me that I was a follower of Jesus, that I had chosen to follow Jesus. And this was the time that I needed to really make that a reality, to say that the things that I believe could actually be put into practice and that I could see the power of Jesus do something in my heart and my mind and my very life to start to take away that anger and transform it. And Jesus did. I did see Jesus show up and do that for me. So today, as we kick things off, I thought it would be fun to do a little anger quiz with you. So I'm going to have them put up an anger-o-meter on the screen. Here's our anger-o-meter. So you can see we've got a scale of one, which is more like angry birds, angry, all the way up to a 10. And this is like incredible Hulk, watch out, angry. So as I read these different statements, I want you to tell me what, where you would fall on the anger-o-meter. Okay, here we go. You have to stand in a really long line in the grocery store. Where does that put you on the anger-o-meter? Here's the next one. This one's for parents. Parents, your kids argue with you when you ask them to do something. Where do you fall on the anger-o-meter? Don't worry, kids. This next one's for you. Kids, how angry does it make you when your parents tell you to clean up your room? Hmm. All right, here we go. For all you married people out there, how angry does it make you when your spouse says they were going to do something and then they don't do it? Where are you on the anger-o-meter? All right, here we go. Your boss takes credit for something that you did. Hmm, what do you think? You get stuck in traffic on the 10 freeway for over an hour. Woo, baby, I know, smoke is starting to come. I can see it all coming out of your screens. How about you get on social media and you read your friend's political opinions? Where does that put you on the anger-o-meter? How about the schools getting shut down? How about the schools still being shut down? How about the hashtag MeToo movement? How about Black Lives Matter movement? How about coronavirus? How about watching the news? How about our state politics? How about our national politics? Don't worry, I'm going to stop there. I know, our anger-o-meters are starting to overheat. It's getting pretty steamy out there. We might have to ask Pastor Eric to come back and do part two of our stress and anxiety series. Okay, everybody just take a deep breath. Let's calm ourselves down. Everybody feeling okay to continue? All right, let's do this. Well, anger is one of those things that none of us likes, right? I mean, do you like being angry? I don't like being angry. 
I don't like seeing other people angry, and I definitely don't like being around people when they are angry. But anger is something that we all experience. We get angry and we see angry people all around us. And we need to realize that anger is an emotion that God gave us. It is an important emotion. It's emotion that we feel when, when we, things are, are not going the way that we want them to, when our goals are blocked or when we're treated unfairly. That is when anger rises to the surface. And it's normal for us to feel angry when those things happen. And it's that anger that can motivate us to change and to do things differently. It's that anger that can rise up and be a, a righteous or a holy anger that allows us to right wrongs in society and to address evils in the name of Jesus and to allow the, the power and the love of Jesus to come in and do things differently when they are not going the way that they should. See, these are good ways that our anger can work for us and it can be healthy and used appropriately. The trouble is that most of us have never been taught what to do with our anger. And so a lot of us have unhealthy ways of managing it when it rears its ugly head. It makes us say mean things. It makes us strike out physically. It makes us try and get paybacks at other people. And we use our anger to hurt people. We use our anger to hurt people emotionally in their, in their feelings. We use people to hurt people physically in their bodies. And we use our anger to hurt people psychologically with their thoughts. Now, some social scientists have said that they think that anger is the most powerful and complex of all human emotions. Let me tell you this story about Kim. Now, Kim worked in customer service. So that meant her job was to answer all the responses of people calling into the company with complaints about the product. This was her job every day to talk to these people. And this is what she had to say. Almost every caller was angry. They were angry that they couldn't remember their password. They were angry that their credit card was denied. They were angry that they forgot to cancel the service and, I, and that they had been paying for something that they hadn't used for six months. I left my job in a simmering rage every day because all that anger had to be processed through me. Sometimes I kicked walls. Sometimes I rage cried in my car before driving home. Sometimes I wrote angry stories with angry characters who did terrible things to everyone around them just because they could. I dealt with it as constructively as I could, but I only lived with it for a year. If it had been a long lasting career, I don't think I'd be able to recognize myself by the end. Everyone has their breaking point, and some of us are closer to it than we even know. Now, the funny thing about anger is that it is actually considered to be a secondary emotion. It is called that because we tend to resort to anger as a way to protect ourselves from another emotion, another emotion that came first, an emotion that came before the anger reared its head to the world. So there's always an emotion that we feel before we feel anger. 
And it can be lots of different things. It can be feeling afraid or offended or embarrassed or lonely. It could be feeling disrespected or pressured or trapped. There's so many different emotions that when those things arise in us, we feel vulnerable and we don't want to let the world see how vulnerable we are. So instead, we react with anger to protect ourselves. Now, the irony of that is that we usually make things worse with our anger. Now, here's a way to think about this idea about how our emotions work. I want you to think about that great luxury ship, the Titanic. Remember the story about the Titanic? It was thought to be unsinkable when it was built. This enormous cruise liner that was going to go across the ocean. But tragically, on that night, April 15, 1912, she struck an iceberg unexpectedly. Now, the exact size of that iceberg, it's unknown. However, early newspaper reports said that the eyewitnesses told them that they thought they could see about 50 to 100 feet of ice towering out of the ocean into the air. I mean, 50 to 100 feet of of ice, that's a pretty big mountain. But underneath that, was 200 to 400 more feet of ice that could not be seen. I mean, that's why there was so much damage to the ship. They could only see this much. And then underneath the water was so much more that the ship plowed into, and that's what caused so much damage that they could not see. And that is how it is with anger. When we are angry or we see someone who's angry, there is about 50 to 100 feet of emotion that we can see rear its ugly head in anger. But underneath the surface, there is another 200 to 400 feet that we cannot see. Now, the Gottman Institute, they're a research-based relational expert company, and they describe it as an anger iceberg. So I want you to look at this picture that they have put together. And you can see that an anger iceberg has kind of this large section of ice on top where you are angry. But then you can see the enormous part underneath that has all these different words that you might experience. So this is why anger isn't seen as the second emotion, but being embarrassed or scared or frustrated or attacked or helpless or nervous is what can cause that anger to rise to the surface. So this is a helpful illustration for us to think about that anger is like this iceberg that only some of our emotions are visible. Other emotions exist below the waterline where they're not immediately obvious to people who are looking. Well, I need to tell you guys, I did the craziest thing at the beginning of this year. I gave up sugar. I know, who does that? Well, I have to tell you, I have come to really love sugar, especially during COVID-19. It makes me feel better. It is my friend, but I have become convicted that I've been running to sugar too much. It's too easy to run to sugar and I've been using it to help me feel better because you get a a quick endorphin hit when you eat sugar. But sugar has become very addictive for me. And I began to ask myself the question, do I love sugar more than I love Jesus? Well, of course not. 
I love Jesus way more than I love sugar. But I found myself running to sugar more often than I ran to Jesus. So I decided I needed to give up sugar. I needed to go on a sugar fast. So I invited a few folks around me and I had 200 people say they wanted to do this sugar fast with me. So we buckled down and we have been doing this hard thing of giving up sugar. But here's the thing. We're doing this for 40 days. It's a 40-day sugar fast. And it's not a diet. It's not about just giving up the sugar for health reasons, although there are so many of those. But it is a fast. And that means you give up one thing and you replace it with more of Jesus. So the idea is instead of running to sugar, that I run to Jesus to be the one that fills those needs when I have those in my soul. Now, this is a hard thing. This is a hard thing. Trust me, this is a hard thing to do. But that's why we need Jesus. That's why we have Jesus. That's why we see Jesus showing up mighty and strong when we need him to do a hard thing for us. And that is the same thing with our anger. When we are experiencing too much anger in our lives, when it is taking over, when it is hurting our relationships, we need to do something radical to change our behavior. And for this, we have Jesus. Uh, This is why Jesus is so rad, you guys. He is powerful and he is the one that can help us to do these hard things. He can help us to become less angry. I mean, I wanna be less angry, don't you? I wanna replace that anger with kindness and gentleness and goodness. I mean, this is what sets followers of Jesus apart from the rest of the world. And anger is something that we have to pay attention to and we have to be intentional to ask Jesus to help us change in our lives. James 1, 19 through 20 says this, understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of men and women does not produce the righteousness of God. Oh, you see, he says that anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Righteousness is right relationships, right with God, right with others. And you know who said this? James, the brother of Jesus. He is the one that is writing this. Now, James, as the brother of Jesus, did not believe that Jesus was the son of God for a very long time. While Jesus was on earth, he and his brother, they did, he did not believe that he was the son of God. He probably had quite a bit of anger, actually, that Jesus would dare to say that. You see, he did not become a follower of Jesus until Jesus appeared to him, the resurrected Jesus, after he had been crucified and risen and came back. He appeared to James, and then James became a radical, on-fire believer and a leader of the early church. And so for James to be the one to say, hey guys, I know this, we need to be slow to anger because anger... It's not going to accomplish what God wants us to. And all through the Bible, we have accounts of people who got angry at each other and angry at God. And in anger, they sinned. 
Now, every morning before my kids all start school, in the midst of looking for lost shoes and misplaced spelling lists and taming bedhead hair, well, we take a few minutes to gather real quickly at the dining room table. We have Alexa play one worship song. We read just a couple of passages in scripture, and then we spend a few minutes in prayer. It doesn't take long. We just do about 10, 15 minutes, and it helps us all to just kind of focus our heads and our hearts for the day. And during this family devotions time, this week, we have been in 1 Samuel. And this is the place in scripture where after David kills Goliath, the giant that everyone was afraid of, well, the people start deciding to follow David as their leader instead of Saul. And the current king, King Saul, he didn't like it. He got pretty angry about it. 1 Samuel 18 says this, When David returned from killing the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul, playing songs of joy on timbrels. The women sang as they played and said, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And then Saul, he became very angry. This saying did not please him. He said, they have given David honor for 10,000s, but for me only thousands. Now what more can he have but to be king? And Saul was jealous and did not trust David from that day on. Do you see what was happening here? He was angry with David. That was the emotion above the iceberg, the, the, above the waterline, the visible part of the iceberg. But what does scripture say? What was going on underneath the iceberg? He was jealous. That jealousy caused Saul to become so angry. I mean, anger is powerful. So what do we do when we want to tame our temper? You see, the goal isn't to not feel angry at all, but it's to recognize when it crops up and identify a healthy way to deal with it. Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. You see, this is why Paul, who wrote this this, uh, scripture in Ephesians, I mean, he was someone who had a whole lot of anger towards Jesus and Christians until he became a believer after a radical conversion with Jesus. He knew what anger was. And he wrote, whenever possible, you need to keep short accounts. You need to try and fix it. You need to be able to do it that same day if you can, before the sun goes down. Now, this is not always possible, but this is the goal. If at all possible, we need to do that. We need to be able to rein in our anger so that we don't sin. Because when we're angry, we are more likely to sin. See, the the problem isn't the emotion of anger. The problem is how we handle that emotion. And most of us handle it in a way that causes us to sin. We say things that are not helpful or encouraging, or we strike out, we lash out to try and hurt someone. We use anger to get the focus off of our feelings rather than to work through them. So what are the things that we say that can cause anger? These are some of the things that experts advise we should not say to help prevent causing anger in others. Whenever we say any of these phrases, you should, you're wrong, I demand, we can't, we won't, we never, that's stupid, you have to just relax, calm down, I'm too busy for this, 
You must be confused. You don't understand. Stop stressing. It'll be fine. You see, whenever we say any of those things, it is like we're discounting the person that we're talking to's feelings. We're invalidating them. We're saying that they're not important enough to talk about or care about. And when we do this, it causes anger in people. It causes people to to not feel seen or heard. And that anger leads to create tension. It can lead to yelling and defensiveness and arguments and fights and sinful behavior. Now, Proverbs 15.1 gives us a different way. Proverbs 15.1 says this, a gentle answer turns away wrath, another word for anger, but a harsh word, well, what's that going to do? It's going to stir up anger. So here's some phrases that you can adopt to help. If we are quick to use these phrases, it's going to help calm a situation down when we're feeling angry or talking to an angry person. Please speak more slowly. I'd really like to help. What would you like me to do? How can I help? Ask any question. Any question can kind of break that cycle of anger. But you want to keep your tone kind. And you want to use I feel statements and avoid all those you statements that get people feeling really defensive. Now, there's lots of great strategies out there that therapists tell us would be really helpful when we're angry. So some of those that are helpful is to pause, give ourselves a little break, stop, count to 10, buy yourself some time to cool down. Use an assertive, clear, measured response about how you are feeling in that moment to communicate. Laugh. Humor can be good. Use humor to give you a pause and to recalibrate the situation. You can adjust your expectations. Maybe you're expecting a little too much and you need to change that. Relaxation tools are great. You know, you can unclench your fists or take deep breaths. You can't be relaxed and angry at the same time or go for a walk, get out there and do some exercise. These are all great things. But as followers of Jesus, we have an opportunity to employ a biblical strategy for yielding your anger to Jesus so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is the one that can give you the power to change. So I want to invite you to adopt a biblical strategy for dealing with your anger. So let's take a look at Psalm 37, 8. And this is what it says. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. So we have this command in scripture that we should do this. So here's some ideas I want you to think about. The first one is to start your day in prayer every morning and ask Jesus to help you with your anger. I mean, this is powerful. And sometimes we don't think to do this. Jesus will show up for you. If you start your morning and say, Jesus, please help me to control my anger. Help me not to be angry. Help me to speak with kindness and gentleness. The next thing that I want to encourage you to do is to get a journal and journal about what you were feeling when you got angry. What's going on underneath the iceberg? And ask God to reveal to you what was going on in your head and heart. And then when you have a sense for that, talk it out. Talk to your spouse or a friend or a therapist about those feelings. Because talking is what is going to prevent them from building up. Okay, 
we want to look at the next one, and that is to write down or put on your phone and carry with you a verse about anger. This can be really powerful to focus your thoughts, redirect your mind, and to use biblical truth to help guide you. Now, one of the verses that I really like is found here in Ecclesiastes 7.9, and it says, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Okay, so right, this is a good one. If I've got this on my phone, if I'm carrying this around with me on a sticky note, it reminds me I should not be quickly provoked. All right, let's look at the next suggestion. How was anger handled in the family you grew up with? This is worth spending a little bit of time thinking about. Are there patterns that you want to ask Jesus to change? And if there are, you want to find some healthy, good role models to learn from. Sometimes the way that we handle anger is the way that we saw it modeled for us. And if there were some unhealthy things in your system, you need to identify those and come up with a strategy to change those. And Jesus wants to do that for you in the power of the Holy Spirit. He can All right, the next one that we want to look at is I want to suggest to you the Right Now Media Anger video series by Chip Engram called Overcoming Emotions That Destroy. Now, Right Now Media is available to our church family for free. So if you haven't signed up for it, you can go to purposechurch.com slash rightnowmedia. This is a whole series that deals on anger. It's a great class. You are going to love it. So I encourage you to spend some time and invest in watching that. The next suggestion I have for you is to reach out to a Christian therapist to work on your anger issues. Sometimes if this has been a a long process for you, you might need someone to give you an outside perspective. And we have a list of awesome Christian therapists at the church. So if that's something that could be helpful to you, please reach out to us. We would be more than happy to give you some suggestions and help get you connected to an awesome Christian therapist. The next suggestion I have for you is to attend the Life Issues Group at Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday nights at 6.30. That's right here at our church. Or to find out more about it at PurposeChurch.com slash recovery. Having an accountability and a support group can be a powerful way to really rein in your anger and watch Jesus do some transformation through the power of accountability and a group. Okay, and the next one is to chart a new course of self-control. Because with Jesus, all things are possible. And you need to hold on to that truth when you are thinking about changing your anger issues. So I want us to think about this phrase right now. With Jesus, I can control my anger. Can you just say that with me right now, family? With Jesus, I can control my anger. You see, Jesus really wants us to be able to do that. And the spirit of God is able to give you self-control. Scripture tells us in Galatians 5, through 26, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and ding, 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 self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. See, the embarrassing truth is that when I analyze my anger, it is almost always rooted in selfishness. I didn't get what I want and I want my way. Our anger 
Well, it's never going to get better on its own. It is something that I have to be intentional about. I need to be decisive and I need to take radical action to bring a healthier, more peace-filled existence into my life and those around me. Can you imagine if you were less angry? Can you imagine what it would feel like to respond to situations that used to make you so angry, so frustrated with more peace and more calm? Can you imagine how your relationships, your marriages, your parenting, your friendships could improve if you were less angry? Can you imagine watching the news and dialoguing with your friends about controversial issues and not storming away enraged? What would that look like? Oh, is that the kind of life that you want? I mean, it would take, oh, something pretty powerful, someone pretty powerful to bring that kind of change, wouldn't it? Oh, church. For this, we have Jesus. Jesus, we come before you right now and we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to bring this kind of change and transformation into the areas of our life where we're experiencing a lot of anger. Would you just bring to our mind right now something that you want us to work on? Jesus, what area in our life do we need to yield to you? to help us to be less angry and to fill our lives and this world with more peace and more calm and more joy. Jesus, we believe that you can do this and that you want to do this for us, that you can tame our tempers for your glory. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that all God's people prayed and said, amen.